in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, this is how I want you to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If we're going to pray his kingdom come, I think it would behoove us to understand what his kingdom is. What, what does it mean when we talk about his kingdom? And so uh, I want to I look into that. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 24, and, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, very quickly the first little bit. We're going to really pick it up in verse 33, but he starts off, no man can serve two masters, you'll hate one or love the other. You can't be devoted to one, and or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money, I mean, you know, that, that's where we're at. And then he says, I, I would tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you eat, what you drink, your body, what you'll wear, what you'll put on. Don't you realize that the life and your life is far more than just the food or the clothes? Look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, uh, being anxious, can add one single hour to a span of life? And of course, the answer is emphatically, you can't. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they neither toil nor spin. But even uh, Solomon, arrayed in all of his finest, cannot even come close to what the lilies are. So God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, ye of little faith. So don't be anxious saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? The Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you've been at Lighthouse for any length of time, I've preached on this. Seek first. I believe there's a great principle of giving God your first things. Whether it's in your praise, whether it's in your time, whether it's in your day, whether it's in your finances, I believe there's a great principle. Give to God first, and you'll always have enough. Seek ye first. It's a commandment that's full of promise. It's full of understanding. And I think all of us here, especially on a Wednesday night, we all have a working knowledge of that verse. Put God first. Put His commandments first. But the longer that I read that verse, the longer that I dwell on that verse, I'm drawn to that phrase, kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's a common saying in the New Testament, depending on what version of the Bible you have, and, and sometimes even in the same version of the Bible, it will talk about the kingdom of God, and it will also talk about the kingdom of heaven. I'll help you out. They're the same thing. If you read Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on in verse 24, I'll tell you again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus himself, in the same story, in the same thing, used them interchangeably. The kingdom of God. And so, if there is a kingdom of God, I want to know more about it. I want to understand it. One way to do so is to go all the way back to the book of Daniel. If you want to turn there with me, I'm going to paraphrase, but if you want to look at it and kind of follow along, it'd be good for you. Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through, 30, through 45. Daniel 2, 31 through 
45. Daniel was blessed. God had given him a prophetic uh, uh, visions and, and the understanding of what they were going to be. And it, in Daniel chapter 2, the king had had this vision of a, of a statue, a great statue made of different material. Uh, it said that, that the head was gold, the chest and the arms of silver, the middle and its thighs were of bronze, and its feet of iron, and its, 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 or his legs of iron, and his feet mixed with iron and clay, and trying to figure out what was going on, and then all of a sudden a stone comes rolling down the hill and hits the statue, and it shatters it and breaks it into pieces and uh, carried away. And here's my dream, Daniel. Now tell me the interpretation. And so Daniel, through the presence and the power of God, says, Well, you, king of Babylon, Babylon is the first kingdom. It's the head of gold. It's a great kingdom. It's a beautiful kingdom, a powerful kingdom. But at some point, that kingdom is going to get overthrown, and it's going to come into a, a, a kingdom of silver. Of, it's not quite as grand. It's not quite as, as big. It's the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. After that, that's going to get overthrown, and you're going to have a kingdom represented by bronze. It still is a good kingdom, but it's starting to lose some of its, its pomp. But it's the kingdom of Greece. And then you're going to get to the kingdom of iron. It may not have all of the grand splendor, all of the guilt, and all. And I don't mean guilt as in uh, uh, you know something bad, but G-I-L-T, all of the, the stuff that, that, that looks good, the trappings. But it's going to be a hard kingdom, a kingdom of iron. And then later on, another kingdom's going to rise. A kingdom that's going to be mixed. A kingdom that's going to be partly clay and partly iron. And I'll be honest, I've, I've researched it and some say that's the divided kingdom of Rome. And others say it's a kingdom that hasn't yet come. Maybe the kingdom of the Antichrist. There's a lot of different uh, understandings of that, really depending on who you ask. But the understanding is that there was a hierarchy when it came to the kingdoms. And so it is that you have this kingdom, and then all of a sudden, in this great, uh, I'm hearing typing. Anybody else hearing that? <laughs> so uh, we'll see if I can keep going on with my ADD. It's, it's now right in my brain, and I can't think of anything else. But you have, this, you have this kingdom, and so he's talking about all of the different uh, uh, hierarchies and all the different kingdoms. He said, but then there's a stone that looks as if no man has hewed it out. See, y'all think I'm bad, but I'm preaching to y'all, and y'all already are tired, and y'all can't hear anything except this. Test one. Testing. There we go. Is it, is it getting better? Okay. Y'all tell me if y'all hear the squirrels or whatever it is that's, that's chewing through our wires. All right. So where were we? We were talking about the kingdom. All right. Is this on? Can you hear me? Not really. I'm seeing shaking of head. All right. I'll grab another mic. Test one, two. Is that getting better? All right. Can y'all hear me now? Okay. So we're going to get this. We're real professional. We got it all figured out. 
we're, uh, we're on it. So we have this kingdom now, and, 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 and remember, we're talking about kingdoms of, of man and, and great kingdoms. And he says, in the dream, it was as if there was a, a rock that no man had touched that began to roll down, and it hit the feet of that, of that, that statue, and it destroyed them, and it kept going until it finally pulverized all the kingdoms of man. And he said, that kingdom is the kingdom of God. Verse 44, in those days the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor a kingdom that shall be left to another people. It will break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring it to an end, and it shall stand forever. The understanding is this, man can build up kingdoms and man can tear down kingdoms. And kingdoms can come and kingdoms can go. But there is a kingdom coming. Now understand that. There is this little bit of a foreshadowing. The kingdom has not yet happened. The kingdom is coming that's going to utterly destroy all of these kingdoms. Um, Then John the Baptist comes on the scene. And I'm still hearing it. And y'all ain't paying attention to anything I'm saying. <laughs> I know y'all are trying. I give y'all props for pushing through. I'll preach with no mic if I have to. But uh, the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching. What did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So now we've got to a place in the Gospels where we are identifying the kingdom is here. Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he said the same thing. He preached the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come. Not only that, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is casting out a demon that was mute, that couldn't speak. The the demon goes out, that mute man speaks, everybody marvels. But some of them don't understand and some of them are saying, well, he cast out that demon because he's of the devil. Jesus goes, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Why would a devil cast out his own demon? But then he says, verse 20, But if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God is upon you. Later on, being asked by the Pharisees in Luke chapter 17, if the kingdom of God would come, he answered, he said, Well, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways you think you can observe But instead, it's not going to say, hey, look, here it is, or here it comes. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus was already there. The kingdom of God had already happened. So what is the kingdom of God? Let's let's do a, a, a quick understanding. What is the kingdom of God? This is where you need to grab your Bible, you need to pull it out, and you need to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13 and just leave it open on your lap. And let's kind of, maybe not every verse, but let's go verse by verse. Because in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God. And so, um, it it starts in verse 1 and he says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered round him and he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. He said, well, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some of the seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, and they didn't have much soil. And They sprung up, but since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good ground. 
produce grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And so, of course, the disciples are asking him, what is this about? And Jesus said, well, first off, the seed is the word of God. Seed's the word of God, and, and that seed is cast out through preaching. It's cast out through Jesus speaking. And, and, and here's what's going to happen. Sometimes it's going to fall on, on rocky ground. And, and that's, uh, uh, if anyone hears, verse 19, if anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. And this was that that he was talking about when it's sown on the path. There's times in which the word of God will will go forth, it will fall on ears that don't want to hear it, it will fall on ears that do not understand it, and most of that is because they don't want to understand it, and it's just as good as if you went and poured grass seed on Highway K, just doesn't work. And then uh, anyone who who hears the, the, the seed, or hears the word and receives it with joy, but there's no root. There's no depth. They, they, they got it. Think of, think of someone who, who may come to church and they get caught up in the worship and the presence of God. Maybe they get baptized. They even may be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But they never take time to be rooted in the why. Rooted in the word. Well, that's someone who may endure a while. But as soon as tribulation comes, as soon as persecution comes, they fall away. The thing that was sown among the thorns, verse 22, is the one who hears the word. But soon the cares of the word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And as for that which was sown on good ground, he that hears the word, understands it, bears fruit. So so Jesus talks about this word. Now here's what I want you to take from that parable. I want you to put it with all the other parables that we're going to read about in the book of Matthew chapter 13, which is about the kingdom of heaven. And although this does not talk about the kingdom of heaven, I would like to tell you that this is the start of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven starts with the word of God. It starts with receiving the word. It starts with persevering and and being rooted and grounded and and not getting caught away with the cares of this world and finally to be sown on good soil so you can bear fruit. That's the kingdom of God. He puts in 24, verse 24, he puts another parable before him and he said, the kingdom of heaven, this may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field. I don't know how many of you plant uh, gardens. Anybody plant gardens? Got one, maybe two. Uh, all right, I'll get I'll get at least two or three people. Anybody plant food plots? Okay, I know I'd at least get two people in that. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You go and you you plant good seed. You go spend good money for good seed. You sow it in your field. But this says, while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And went away. And when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said, Master, did you not plant good seeds in your field? How come we have weeds? And the master said, Well, the enemy has done this. And they said, Well, do you want us to go and pull all the weeds? Which in some gardens that would be okay, but in this it's not going to be. He said, No, because in gathering up the weeds, you would pull up the wheat along with them. And so it is that. We'll just let them both grow to the harvest. 
And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The kingdom of heaven is like a field, a field that God has a plan for. He's got a purpose, good seed, but the enemy always has a counterfeit. The enemy always has something that looks good as long as it's growing. But when it really comes time for for something to bear fruit, you're going to find the difference. And the Lord said, don't be worried about all of the counterfeits. Don't be worried about all of the things that are going to happen. Let them come up. Just just make sure you stay true. But don't don't worry about that. At the end, it'll all pan out. You'll you'll find a little bit later when we talk about the kingdom of heaven is like a, a net cast into the sea. You'll see that. That uh, uh, God's going to, he'll take care of it. Look at verse 31. And he put another parable before him saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it's larger than all of the garden plants and actually becomes like a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. We're going to link that one to the next one. He says the, another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, I don't have a whole lot of experience baking. Some of y'all may do better. My experience in baking is this, and it's actually pretty good. You can go to the, the store, and you can buy these. It's in the frozen food section. It's in a bag, and it's called Rhodes Rolls. And they're yeast rolls, and they, they're about that big. And you take those, those, those rolls out, and, and you, can, you can put them on a pan, but I'll tell you how to really make it fancy. You take two rolls, and you put them down in a muffin pan. Two, you know, in each little cup, put two of those rolls. And then you cover it with saran wrap, and you stick it on your, your, your countertop. Or if you really want to speed things up, put it into a kind of warm oven. Not a hot oven, but a warm oven. Because those frozen rolls contain yeast. They're about that big. About the size of a golf ball. But the longer you wait, they start puffing up. And what's really cool is when you put two of them in a muffin cup, it gives you that split top roll and it makes you look real fancy. And, and then, uh, you know, you can put them in there. And then if you want to get more fancy, right before you take them out, brush them with a little butter on top and kind of brown the edges. It's awesome. Makes you look good, but that's, that's the extent of my baking knowledge, really. But, but I've noticed, you take those rolls, they're about that big, they've got leaven in them, and they rise. Now, most of the time in the Bible, when the Lord talks of leaven, he talks about it in a negative context. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little sin contaminates everything. But in this phraseology of the Lord, He uses it in a positive manner. In this, he's telling you it like this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, so so the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed because it grows exponentially. It may have started kind of small on the day of Pentecost in the grand scheme of things. But right now, it's it's taken over. I just read something that that, that in, in South America, the fastest growing religion right now is Pentecost. Pentecostalism is the fastest growing religion, overtaking all of the other religions and some of the religions that have traditionally been been rooted and grounded in South America. Because when you plant the kingdom of God, it doesn't stop. But I I wrote kind of in my notes when it talks about that that leaven, you know, you, you, you put it in, it leavens the whole thing. 
you got to kind of be careful if you're going to pray, thy will, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because I'm, I'm going to help you out. You get what you pray. And if you start praying to the Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And this is a bad word in today's uh, society, but it's infectious. See, we, we use that word. We're seeing it in, 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 in action right now. One person coughs and 85 people go to the hospital. And, and you know, it's, 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 uh, it's infectious. Why? Because it spreads. You start, you start praying, thy kingdom come. If you start asking the Lord, thy will be done, watch what begins to happen in your life. It begins to grow it begins until the whole, your whole body, your whole mindset, your whole vision, your, everything you think about, everything you talk about becomes kingdom-minded. Even if you have a secular job, it becomes kingdom-minded. If you're driving down the road, it becomes kingdom-minded because you started a little bit of that in your life and it takes over. Kingdom, thy kingdom come. The kingdom of heaven I'm going to skip down through, through several um, verses. Look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field in which a man finds and covers up, and then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I, I, I've, I've done it. I've preached it behind this pulpit. I've connected those parables to, you know, buy the truth and sell it not. I've connected those parables to what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would a man pay in exchange for his soul? But I'd like to first remind you of this. There is nothing you can do. You can't afford the field. You can't afford the kingdom. You could go sell everything you had and you still wouldn't be able to buy one iota of the kingdom of God. But there is one who gave his all. Jesus Christ was able to give his all and purchase the field and purchase the treasure and purchase the pearl. And because of that, you and I have the privilege to be a part of his kingdom. He paid the price. And then he said the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. Gathers fish of every kind, and when it's full, men drew it ashore and, and, and sat down and sorted the good into the containers, but threw away the bad, and so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous, throw them in a fiery furnace, and that place they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and begins to tell them a little bit that at the end of the day, the Lord's going to gather everybody in. And at that day, you're either going to be a part of his kingdom, or you won't be. It's either well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into a place of rest, or depart from me. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. There's a, a, a judgment day coming, but the end of that, the kingdom of God remains. Verse 52, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. I read this and I really liked it. It said there's two things that we've got to do. We've got to be disciples that do truth, and we've got to be stewards that dispense truth. 
We've got to first follow the truth. We've got to do the truth. But then it's your job and it's my job to keep teaching the truth, to keep promoting the truth, to keep talking about the kingdom of heaven. That's a little bit about what the kingdom of heaven is. A little history or a little overview. Let's look at a few things. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is, there's three things that it is. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. And I would propose to you today that you can't just settle on having one of those. You can't just settle on having two of those. You need all three. You need his righteousness, you need his peace, and you need joy. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, Some of you are arrogant, thinking I'm not going to come to you, but I'll come to you if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Now, I know there's some other things that, that he's talking to the Corinthian church about, and I, I realize Corinthian church, they had a lot of issues, and they had a lot of situations going on, but at the end of the day, what he's saying is, you can talk about the kingdom of God all you want, but talk without power is nothing. At the end of the day, I want to see the results of the talk. If you're going to talk about the kingdom of God as a delivering kingdom, then I want to see deliverance happen. If you're going to talk about the kingdom of God as a kingdom that heals, I want to see healings that are occurring. And the Bible says those things follow them that believe. So you start putting it all together, the kingdom of God is not just a good talking kingdom. You ever met someone who can talk a good talk but have nothing to back it up with? I mean, they can talk up a storm. And if you just take them on their talk, on their face value, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But they have no power, nothing to back it up. I, you know what I'd prefer? I'd prefer you not to say a word, but your actions show me everything. Don't, don't tell me about how many times you pray a day. Just let me see it in action. Don't tell me about how you love to worship. Let me see it in action. Don't tell me about how you love the word. Let me see it in action. That's the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. For the Wait, I, I skipped over my... Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go to the right thing. Uh, that which is born of the... Or, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Let's try it this way. Don't you know that the... Unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The kingdom of God is a holy kingdom. Those things don't have their place in that kingdom. But I'm so thankful that, because I, I couldn't get there on my own, but I'm thankful that I was washed, that I was sanctified, that I was justified. So because of that, I could, I could preach this verse and flip it to a positive. Here's who will inherit the, the, the kingdom of God. 
those who are pure, those who worship the one true living God, those who aren't cheaters and adulterers, those who, who, who aren't thieves or greedy or drunkards. I mean, you, you can look at that as a positive and you can see what it takes to be part of the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42 just simply goes on to say flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. The perishable isn't going isn't to inherit the kingdom of God. One day we're going to pass and this perishable body is going to be imperishable. This corruptible body is going to put on incorruption. This mortality is going to put on immortality. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12 tells us that God calls us into his own kingdom. And so today, and I'm hurrying because I'm losing track of what's going on and some of y'all have lost track. (laughs) And I'm just smart enough to realize that. But uh, the question has to be asked, if that's what the kingdom of God is, then how do I get there? I mean, what, what kind of passport do I need? How do I arrive at the kingdom? Acts chapter 1, they, he, he, the Bible says in, in verse 3, he appeared unto them for 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. Then he told them to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. And they asked him this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even all the way up to Acts chapter 1, after the, the, the crucifixion, after the resurrection, they are still hoping that, that God's going to come down on a white horse, destroy the Romans, set up this awesome kingdom on earth, and Peter can be you know, second in command, and John can be the diplomat to this and the minister of this. That's the wrong question because here it is. It's not Israel's kingdom anymore. It's God's kingdom. It's not going to be a kingdom of America. I'm not looking for, a, for an American kingdom. I'm not looking for, for something on this earth. He says, if you want to be a kingdom, this, if you want to be in the kingdom, Jesus goes back. John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I'd like to think that all of that that I've talked about, this is what the kingdom of God is. This is what it's like. At the end of the day, if you want to see it, you best be born again. Why don't we stand today? There's a lot more that, that we could cover. There's a lot more that we could talk. But at the end of the day, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want it to be all inside me. I want, I, I want that kingdom of God to be the, the, the driving force of my life. Could we bow our heads? Could we pray? Lord, I love you today. You gave us that commandment to pray. To seek first the kingdom of God and to say, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that in my life, I would put the kingdom first. That I would be kingdom minded to not my will, but thine be done. Not my temptations, not my thoughts, but Lord, that I would put everything in my life in contrast to your kingdom. Am I unfaithful? Am I unrighteous? Do I fulfill any of those things that you said won't inherit the kingdom of God? Lord, if I find myself in any of those places, 
I can't afford that because I want the kingdom of God. And I pray that you would let me be right with you. Lord, I pray that you would let me be holy, that you would let me be clean and pure, and that you would let the kingdom of God permeate every aspect of my life. And I give you glory and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you go with God? Would you go with his mercy? And would you go in the kingdom?